It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Now back to Dave Softy Muller live from Houston for our coverage of Super Bowl 51. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino and by Keel Mortgage on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. You know, people often make fun of me uh, for my random movie references, Mike, on the radio show. But you ever seen Goodfellas, by the way, the movie yeah. Goodfellas? Yeah. Remember how fired up Robert De Niro and Ray Liotta were when Joe Pesci got made in yeah. that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, obviously, Joe Pesci got shot in that movie. I don't want to keep the analogy going too long. But I'm so proud to have one of our guys on the broadcast for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Mike Holmgren is going to be with Boomer Esiason. The other one-third of that broadcast is with us tomorrow on the radio show in Canada. Kevin Harlan, but Boomer, are you sure you guys want to go down this road and invite this guy on your show on Sunday? Absolutely, 100%. And the reason we did this is because last year we had Mike in the booth with us as we're watching the Panthers and the Broncos do their thing. And I kept turning around to Mike saying, what the hell are these coaches doing? Would you do this? Would you do that? And I was putting him in a very uncomfortable spot. And, you know, to his credit, he answered all the questions that I asked him honestly and straightforwardly. And I said, why not? Let's put him on this year. This is going to be great. But last year off the air, you know, he he did that. I wasn't. I wasn't part of the broadcast, but he during the breaks he asked me stuff, and then I got kind of feeling full of myself. Yeah, yeah. So all of yeah. a sudden they're they're doing Kevin, and I started, and then he turned around, and go, no. <laughs> he kind of pointed at me, go, no, no, no. You know your role. Yeah, know your yeah, role. But he, he it, listen. At the end of the day, it's an unbelievable resource to have. Think yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl For winning us too, coach, yeah. uh, two time Super Bowl coach, two different franchises. Yeah. Uh, to be able to dissect and use his brain in our broadcast makes it one of the best broadcasts, if not the best broadcast of, of all, for the Super Bowl. Well, we will uh, talk a lot about what's going to happen on Sunday in uh, in just a moment. But give me Boomer just a take on how these two teams got here. I, I've talked before about Dan Quinn and how smart he is. He's at Florida as the defensive coordinator. Pete Carroll brings him back, and he gets to coach a defense that includes Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and then he takes off and takes a head coaching job where yep. he's already got the quarterback in Matt Ryan. This guy played this perfectly. Well, like your initial analogy, Joe Pesci, he's a Jersey guy. <laughs> he's right. from Morristown, New Jersey. He could figure this whole thing out. Uh, you know, I knew him back when he was at Hofstra and at the Jets as, a, as an assistant coach, and um, all I could tell you is that he deserves where he is. And he picked the right franchise because, as Mike will tell you, you better have a quarterback yep. because it makes a lot of things go away camouflages a lot so their offense is dynamic it's uh multi-dimensional i believe that you know every football game is one at the line of scrimmage and when you can run the ball the way that the falcons can run the ball with their two running backs you know basically they can do anything they want and then mike and i were talking about just the physical specimen that julio jones is and how difficult a guy like that is is to stop and mike knows better than i do because he had a guy similar to him in sterling sharp uh back in his days in green bay and they tried to stop him one game and what happened right you know with a bump and run we're going to reroute sterling that yeah. was their the yeah. raiders and all of a sudden the corner who was in bump and run is now rolling over next to me on the sideline <laughs> sterling, had, <laughs> sterling had just blasted uh, him and then caught an easy pass but but more you know I th- we think I think the world of Dan Quinn as well. Yeah, and then but he's got an uphill he's got an uphill battle. I think be, as good as Atlanta is because right. of how the Patriots do stuff, you know. And I asked Boomer, you know, I mean, you know, the Bill has a reputation, Belichick, of 
taking away the best thing the other team does. Right. So we can probably expect some sort of a thing with Julio Jones, can't we? I would think so, but <clears throat> differently than the Pittsburgh Steelers with Antonio Brown, there are other alternatives in this Atlanta offense, and that's what makes it so dangerous. As a matter of fact, when Julio was out a couple games, uh, they threw the ball exceptionally well without him, 70% completion. The running backs are the key. They, they're very difficult to cover in, in coverage down the field, and they also run the ball extremely hard. As a matter of fact, if you just try to arm tackle them, they'll rip your arms off. That's how hard they run. But I will say this. When I look at Atlanta, I, do, I see weakness. Their weakness, is, their weakness is the defensive line. And the reason I say the defensive line is because you can run on them. They're, they have some pass rushers, and Vic Beasley's one of those, but he hasn't really done much uh, thus far in this uh, in this playoff run. They're going to blitz. We both think that they're going to blitz. And yeah. if they blitz, and you're blitzing a Hall of Famer, and Josh McDaniels has now seen this on film and tape, they will take advantage of it. The other thing about the New England Patriots, they're methodical on defense. They will lull you to sleep. They'll let you p- complete a lot of five to ten-yard passes. They'll try to gang tackle, rally tackle, pull the ball out, try to get a tip ball or something, and you know make an interception in the red zone. Uh, can Matt Ryan just sit back there, take what they legitimately give him, and and hopefully one of those guys breaks some tackles. Do you you put any stock in the in the idea that for a young team, first time, excited, first time Super Bowl, going against a team that's been there before, mm-hmm. that there's a huge swing or advantage there? Kind of sounds like a Super Bowl twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was my Super Bowl against. <clears throat> way to bring me, that up, Mike. Joe Montana <laughs> and the Forty ers You know and. We were seven-and-a-half-point underdogs going into that game, and Sam Weish did everything he possibly could just to kind of cut the edge from the team, and he did a good job. He got us ready to play. I would just say for the New England Patriots, they know that they are the favorite. They've been here before. They will try to take advantage of every little thing that Atlanta gives them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I the experience factor, obviously people talked about that when the Hawks played Denver in New York, and that didn't matter at all in that it game. I, I just wonder how, how, how much things like that really matter when you get past the talent on both teams and when the ball is kicked off on Sunday. <clears throat> you know, it does matter. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. There's going to be butterflies. Yeah. And think about this Atlanta defense. There are four rookies that play prominent roles. They're going to be running all over the place. And Coach and I were talking about the ability for Josh McDaniels and, and Tom Brady to create different matchups personnel groupings, formations. I could just see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, different uh, eligible and eligible receiver formations that we've seen in the past them use. They'll unleash something yeah. a little bit differently that these rookies have never seen before. Well, you know, I, I know a little bit of how they prepare because when I was in Cleveland, you know, Eric Mangini was the head coach. Ryan Dayball, who coaches with them now again, there was a, there was a group of New England Patriot coaches there in Cleveland. And unlike the way I used to prepare a game plan, or I don't know how Boomer was in Cincinnati and so on with the Jets and so on, but we had our system. And then you'd change things in the system, Mm -hmm. but you didn't do it every week, a brand-new thing every week based on your opponent. That's what they do. They, there's no, you got to, and you got to learn it, and it's hard. But they, they take, okay, this is a new game, one game, different opponent, Different corners, different this, and they prepare that way. So he's right. Josh McDaniels is a bright guy, yeah. and, and they have players that can absorb mm-hmm. that stuff. Not everyone can do that. <clears throat> and when you take a look at their, their players, for one second, you realize that they all have to be plug-and-play guys mm-hmm. on, on defense and offense. They want smart football players in their team. And, uh, you know, you have to be pl- able to play multiple positions, 
And, and I'm just telling you, with their three running backs, what they can do, just like Atlanta can do, if they want to decide to run the ball at you and run straight at you, which I think they should be doing against Atlanta, yeah. uh, they can run for 200 yards in a game as well as throw for 400 yards. Mike Holmgren, Boomer Esiason with us here from Houston. The uh, the game on Sunday, Mike and Boomer both on the call for Westwood One, along with our pal Kevin Harlan, who will be with us tomorrow on the radio show. Uh, I've asked everybody on Radio Road, does, does Dan Quinn take a peek at the tape from the game two years ago against the Patriots? You remember they held those guys to 14 points through three, and then Cliff Averill got hurt, Jeremy Lane went down, and the Patriots scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. Can that tape be helpful, useful to Dan for this game on Sunday? I asked him that very question, oh. and, and he and he said, yeah, of course he does. That's yeah. the first tape he looked at. Wow. That's the first tape in preparation he looked at. But having said that, this is a new game, a new but, but yeah, he, he uses mm. it, but how much he's going to use it, you know, it's a it's a be, new game. I, I bet you Dan Quinn would love to have some of those players that played for him <laughs> yeah. on, on that on that roster. And that's the thing about the Atlanta Falcons right now. You know, I don't necessarily know that they expected to be here in the Super Bowl when the season started. Yeah. I think that they thought that they had an offense that would get them into the playoffs, that a quarterback that would get them into the playoffs. But they're rebuilding this defense. And when you see what Dimitrov has done with his draft, especially last year, a lot of SEC kids. Uh, he's got a lot of speed on the team. There's no question about it. They're just inexperienced. Right. I think in two years that they have another strong draft and a few other free agents that they may add, I think that you may see kind of like the rebuilding of the Seattle Seahawks, mm. and you may have a top-flight defense. Right now they're about 25th in the league. They make a lot of mistakes. You can run on them. You can throw on them. And if they decide to blitz Tom Brady, I'm afraid that he's going to probably throw for 450 yards in this yeah, game. Yeah, if, if, if he wins this, if, if, mm-hmm. if Brady wins this boomer on Sunday, that's number five, which is the most all-time, yep. obviously, in the history of the NFL. And outside of, I guess, maybe love for the game, liking football, <laughs> wanting to keep going, yes. what's, what's the next carrot out there for Tom Brady keep to build, keep going? Just keep building on the legacy. You know, Coach, I know you, you, you've been around some great quarterbacks, Joe Montana and Brett Favre, too of the greatest of all time. You know, this, in my estimation, after Super Bowl Forty Nine, I felt like Tom Brady eclipsed both of those guys and all of his, uh, um, you know, what he has done as, as a quarterback. 11 AFC Championship games, seven Super Bowls. Come on, that's ridiculous. Remarkable, and, yeah. And you think about it, I, he doesn't have to do another thing, and, yeah. and he's still the greatest of all time. And then to come back this year and go 28-2, and two, 28 touchdowns, two interceptions in uh, 12 games, and then have two really strong uh, playoff games. I mean, you know, the legacy is there. But uh, you know what? I, I was reading up about Tom prior to my job coming in here. Yeah. This job or, or the job with us? Well, both jobs. Okay, gotcha. Both jobs. It's like me. <laughs> and, he gets and, multiple paychecks. And, and I like that. There's all sorts of stuff about his diet, his re- – you've, you've read all that stuff. Yeah. And just think. I couldn't had you like done, that. No, just think. <laughs> just think. If you had you done that, you'd st- you might no. still – no, really. You may have played Nate Super Bowls. I like beer. I like beer. I like hamburgers. I like ribs. No, you can't. You can tell by No, you can't have that. No, no, no. no. I mean, he's eating. I don't know what the hell he's eating, but whatever it is, I'm not eating it. I don't care. You can't even pronounce what he's eating. Hey, Mike, I'm 55 years old. I am happy, Ah. and I want to stay that way. But, you know, it is, it's uh, It's just amazing watching what he's done. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of great quarterbacks throughout uh, time. I just thought that Peyton Manning took the preparation level to another level. Yeah. And then I think Tom Brady has taken everything to even a higher level than that. And yeah, I think his health has got a lot to do with his success. I think Peyton Manning probably would still be playing today if he didn't hurt his neck. Right, right. And he, and he got four years after he hurt his neck. 
So just think about Tom Brady. As long as he stays healthy, three to four years. Yeah, well, he, he eats that way because Giselle does not want a slob coming home, all right, after after the uh, work day. Know, that's the only okay. bad thing. I couldn't, I guess I just right. couldn't come I mean, home you to got, that, I guess. you got to look good if you're going home to that for crying God. out loud. But you're right. Boomer Esaias and Mike Holmgren, outside of the off-the-field stuff and the way he carries himself, from a football perspective, what is the most impressive thing about Tom Brady, in your opinion? I think how he works at his craft, how, how he – he, everything he, he works so hard, mm-hmm. he prepares so well. I watched practice yesterday, and, and he er, everything there's a reason to do everything, and he's just focused that way. And there are a lot been a lot of and, and Boomer knows this. There, there there are a lot of kids that can come in and throw balls and throw through the roof, and, and I mean do great things physically, but then you combine that with this tremendous tremendous work ethic that it takes yeah. to play that position and be great at that position. And that's what he does. He does that probably better than anybody. You know, and, and as the best player on his team, he wants to be coached. He doesn't mind being criticized. Does not mind being called out in the uh, in the meeting rooms. You know, everything that you want your best player to be from the coach's standpoint is he gives it to you. Uh, and when your best player can take coaching, can take criticism, can take ribbing from the head coach, as we know Bill Belichick will do to everybody. Oh yeah, he'll say in a, in, a, in a, he'll say in a meeting to Tom Brady, "Hey, Tommy." If you throw the ball like this on Sunday, we're not winning the damn Super Bowl. So will you please get your head out of you, you know what, and start playing? And everybody's sitting there going, "Is the coach really saying that to, yeah, yeah. to Tom Brady, the greatest of all time?" So the humbleness to be coached, I think, is just as, as important ingredient as Mike was talking about preparing to be great. Yeah, you know, uh, every great coach has a great quarterback, and it seems like every great quarterback has a great coach. But did did Brady make Belichick, or did Belichick make Brady? In this, in this scenario here. This one. Huh? I'm going to be with Mike on this one. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I think if you can, if you're fortunate enough to have a player that you believe in, the coach, you know, he was a six-round pick or, you know, he's a late-round pick. But then if you commit to the player and he shows that skill and you can stay there long enough, you know, then it's a marriage. I mean, they there's not it's not weighted one side or the other. Yeah. But the coach certainly can set the tone. Certainly can direct traffic. The guy's younger. Teach him how to do things. But then it's up to the player to buy in. I remember Brett coming up to me and 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 saying, you know, he he goes, Mike, this is how I play. I'm wild. I, I you know, and we had some success. And I said, that's that's great. But you want to go to the Super Bowl. You already I, now I understand in seven every year. <laughs> but you had why you wanted to sign me as a free agent. Yeah, yeah, you wanted I, you me to babysit. No, I, I wasn't going to do that. Please come in. No, <laughs> but it was, you know, what? no, I, I, I think I think they've been fortunate enough to yeah. be together. Right. Yeah. In I, the I, same I, system for, what, 17 years right, now? Right, 14 and six without God, Tom Brady as Can you imagine playing in the same system for that long no, and I how much that would have benefited you? No, I, I, yeah, well, I think it would have benefited anybody that would be lucky enough to be that. That's why this doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And, uh, as if uh, as has ever happened, I don't think it has but um you know here's here's the thing overall when i think about it bill belichick is the judge jury and executioner in new england he's not just the coach he makes the decision on right. the roster right he knows when to get rid of players he'll he got rid of his two best pass rushers in the last six months in Jan, chandler jones and jamie collins you know he he we played a game and he we talked before the game it was might have been one of my last games i coached we played new england and they had a player on their team that played for me yeah, and I, I for the life of me, I couldn't imagine how he played for New England. I just didn't see it because he was. I just didn't see it, and I said, "Bill, you got to tell me how how is how does this work? How did he play? Because he he wasn't your." T-. And he goes, "Mike, I told him you have a job here, but if you want one more dollar, then we're paying you. You're gone." Wow. 
if you ask for one more dollar, and to Boomer's point, he's not just a coach. Right. He set. He picks the players. He sets. I think he sets the money. He 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 Everything. does it all. Everything. Yeah. Did, did, does he not get enough credit for that aspect? I think we all give him credit for being a great coach, and there most people give him credit for being a great GM. When I see these lists of the best GMs in the NFL, he's usually number one. But this is a guy that just built the number one scoring defense in the NFL. I was trying to think of another coach in the history of the league that may have been quite like him, and and, and maybe I, I think of Paul. Browns. Yes. He was with the Browns. That's the one I think of, too. Right. So he was the guy that kind of built the Browns. He was the guy that said, okay, you're playing, you're playing, you're out of here. And right. he was always tight-fisted with the money back in the day. And that's kind of how he ran the Bengals, too. But what Bill Belichick has done and the success that has gone with him in New England stand, will stand the test of time. Yeah. Nobody will ever yeah. be able to duplicate it because th- there's a certain fundamental that he brings to this team that this team buys into well player we were talking about earlier there are players on this team players that have ba- made huge contributions this year mm-hmm. the people did who, who's that at the beginning of the year, what, who's that <laughs> you know how where did he come from mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden he gets they get to new england hogan as an example you know and all of a sudden he's catching passes scoring touchdown where who was that but he has they've shown the ability with with roster turnover right to plug guys in, plug guys in. And you said it earlier, they, they plug guys in, they have a role, they do it very well, they're smart. He's got a mercurial tight end in Martellus Bennett. He had Randy Moss, he had Ocho Cinco, he's brought Corey Dillon in there. He's had a lot of cast-offs that mm-hmm. have gone in there and have won and have bought into the New England way. I think he's, he's lucky that way. But, uh, you know, when you think about some of those guys, the Barkebius Mingos from Cleveland, you know, Jabal Sheard from Cleveland, Eric Rowe from Philadelphia – all these guys, no names that have become household names now simply because that team wins and that team's in the playoffs, and now we all yeah. know who they are. Well, uh, speaking of the playoffs, uh, Boomer uh, and Mike Holmgren are with us here on the air. These guys will be on the air on Sunday with Kevin Harlan. You can hear the game on KJR, of course, uh, kickoff around 3.30, 3.32, some kind of weird random time for the kickoff on Sunday. It all depends on when Luke yeah. Bryant gets done. It just depends when Harlan shows <laughs> right, up, man. Exactly. That's literally the kickoff. Right. Uh, tell me about the Seahawks, uh, five straight years in the divisional round, which is hard. Hard to do, but that's not the expectation anymore in Seattle. I know everybody expects Super Bowls. Yeah. When you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, you should expect that. But, you know, they got to rebuild that offensive line. I think that's first and foremost a big thing for them. And then I think Pete's got to go and do what Bill Belichick has done here. See if he can pluck a couple of not older veterans, but middle-aged veterans mm-hmm. that will come in for less money. For the line. They know they, oh, for the line. Gotcha. Or, or maybe even another wide receiver, somebody like a Brandon Marshall, if he thinks he could absorb uh, that kind of mercurial personality there. But you got to help Russell Wilson a little bit more mm-hmm. than he got this year because I, I thought he was a sitting duck a couple of times, and it really was awful to watch such a good young talent take the beating that he did. Can they take the same guys, Mike, they had this year? The same five guys on that line. Fant, Glowinski, Justin Britt, Afedi Gilliam, combining with Thomas Rawls and C.J. Proceis, who is the 25th best rushing offense in football, and expect that just because they're playing another year together, they'll be better. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, I mean, because and I believe in Tom Cable. I think he does a great job, but they're, they will be better because experience in the league, guys get better. You learn stuff. But you look at who they are and what they can do, mm-hmm. you know, compared to other lines and, and other people in the league. I th- I agree with Boomer. I think the, I, I think you have to shoot somebody in there. I was a proponent during the league to sign uh, Joe Thomas, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. bring him in. Yeah, we all you know, were. And right. that kind of right. stuff. There's somebody Browns there. Browns wouldn't do it. Brown's got uh, well, that's, stubborn. That's another. Yeah. That's get, a whole other story. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but but I know I, I think they have to change and do some things there. Now, 
uh, from what I understand, they'll be reluctant to do that, though. Right. Hey, be- uh, guys, before we go, Mike Holmgren, Boomer Esiason, joining us here from Houston on 950 KJR from the Super Bowl. Uh, your first Super Bowl as an assistant coach was San Francisco, obviously, and then when you went with the Bengals against the Niners. Yeah. What is that morning <clears throat> like to wake up for the first time ever in your hotel room, get on the bus, go to the stadium, knowing that you're playing in this game for the first time as a pro? It takes uh, forever. Yeah, it's, it's a long <laughs> it? It's a long day. It's yes. a long day, and then you just wanted to get there, and it's the, the lead up for our first-time head coach, our first-time coach in the Super Bowl. Right. Of course, I was excited. And then my responsibility had changed in the last three three or four weeks during the season. Denny Green had left to go to Stanford. So now Bill had given me a lot of responsibility. I was calling a lot of the plays. Oh, it was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But, I never knew that. Now I know the real answer. Now I know what's going you on. You know, and I, I, and I felt bad ever since. I oh, really yeah, have. You should yeah. feel bad. You know? But it, so I we was, had that game won. I was, <laughs> that was a great game. Great game. But you know what? Does that make you feel it was, better? It was a great game. And, and, well, and if Lewis Billups hadn't. Drop the ball just yes. before we threw the touchdown. They would have yeah. won. I mean, people say to me, hey, 49 was a great game. So what? It didn't do anything for me. My, my team lost. Does yes. that do anything for you? It's a no, great game. No, it doesn't do anything for me either. But I, I do remember going into that game because the, the previous Super Bowls were terrible. And everybody thought this was going to be a blowout as well because yeah. they did have a great team, all those Hall of Famers. But what, what people didn't realize is that, you know, we had a very special year going on. And uh, we gave it our all. Our defense gave it its all. And, unfortunately, when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback who has the ball with three minutes to go in the game, right. that's way too much time, as Aaron Rodgers proved to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, when they played in the playoffs uh, a few weeks back. You but, know? They were the, you know, what he's, he, he, but they were really good. Cincinnati was really good. And so it was. It was. We knew it was going to be. You know, yeah. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't take anything for granted. Ronnie but they Lott, did a nice job with. It. Ronnie Lott told me he got a tip off of films against our offense in certain situations. Come yeah. on. And he goes and he and I don't want to tell you what the tip was because it gets a little bit too in, you know, in, intimate. But he was basically saying <laughs> that we we're watching one of your players on film and we noticed that when you guys did this, this is how he would always line up or he would always set up. And it held true 100 percent of the time through the game, so we never knew that. But yeah. that's what you look for. You look sure. for tips like that. And George Seifert must have done a, a great job getting that defense prepared because every time I looked up, Ronnie Lott seemed to be in the right spot for him, the wrong spot for me. And they they had a tip on us, and he told me that later on when we were Jet teammates together. Right. And uh, I was like, I was always wondering how they kind of knew what we were doing. I thought they were reading signals or something. Wow. But they weren't. He had a tip, and and he was right. And I went back and I looked at the film. And he was right. Yeah. 100% yeah. right. Incredible. Hey, listen, if it's a blowout Sunday and things be. get kind of boring and you need some info, he loves to talk about Super Bowl 40 and the referees. I'm sure he okay? does. <laughs> Just don't forget that. It's a, it's a no, favorite no, no. topic of uh, his. No, I'm over it. Yeah, you're no, over not. it. No, Nobody's not. over it. Mike Holmgren, Boomer Esiason, great stuff, guys. Appreciate Always a it, pleasure, man. guys. Thanks, Thank you guys so much. We got a lot more to get. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. 
Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Get to live from the Super Bowl in Houston on 950 KJR. Now back to Dave Softy Muller live from Houston for our coverage of Super Bowl 51. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino and by Keo Mortgage on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. All right, man, here we go. More from Houston from Radio Row, uh, site of Super Bowl 51. Uh, big thanks to our friends at Keo Mortgage. Uh, looking for a refi or a brand new mortgage, my friends at Keo can help you out. Give them a call, one 888 kiel Washington State seal number 53969. Uh, a guy that not many people, I think, remember as a former Seahawk. Uh, maybe most remember him as a former Viking great, but was with us for three years uh, with Mike Holmgren from 2001 to 2003, uh, left us, and then just became a Hall of Famer and went to Canton, <laughs> Ohio. Uh, here courtesy of Kay Jewelers, another Hall of Famer on the radio show, the great John Randall, defensive tackle, joining us on the air. How are you, man? Great, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Well, it's great It's great having you. What do you remember about those days with the Seahawks at the end there with uh, with big old Mike, with the big oh, show? Man. Huh? Uh, my first year, we, was, we played at, at Husky Stadium. Correct. Remember that? And... Uh, <laughs> Damn, because my wife learned to cook out in Seattle. Really? Yeah. Wow. Man, we uh, love Seattle. So I learned more about coffee, man. I learned about mochas, lattes, <laughs> espresso. I'm like, I went to the coffee, uh, coffee store one day. I'm like, hey, I need some coffee. She goes, that mocha, espresso? I'm like, yeah. what? Just give me some coffee. I just want some coffee. <laughs> but I started learning it and dude, figuring it out. Love Seattle, that, man. So that's that's what you took from your three years with the Seahawks is learning about coffee. Oh, no, no. Nothing about Mike Holmgren or playing for no, the Seahawks. No, you just said what, some of the things off the top of my head. I got Nothing I learned about was wine out there. Yeah, yeah. See? Seattle, man. Loved it out there. I love it. Well, we were, we were happy to have you, man. I think, uh, was your last game the Packer playoff game? Is that right? That in was, Green Bay? Yes, when... when when our boy went out there and said, we're going to take the ball and we're going to score. We want the ball, we're going to score. score. Matt yeah. Hasselbeck. Yeah. What was the player's reaction when he did that? Because I think the fans loved it. What was the player reaction? Uh, I thought it was a little bit, it might have been a little bit like Animal House. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Germany bomb Pearl Harbor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's on the road, let him go on. I love it. I love it. Well, John Randall, again, he's not, only, uh, he's not only a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Seven Pro Bowls, six-time All-Pro, led the NFL sacks in, uh, in 1997. Um, what are you most proud of, man? You've done a lot in your career. Is there anything that stands out? Maybe it's not football. Maybe it's something else from your uh, your, uh, your career. Uh, for my, I'm most proud of... Uh, uh, this, this foundation I helped uh, support in Minnesota for special need children. Good for you. Uh, yep. We helped them uh, build a new school. We, we every year we have a we have a golf tournament. That's one of the things. But I think I cannot say that my career and if if there's anybody that took something from it to, to help them help them their life, then from football I'm, I'm supportive of that because I get people to come up to me every once in a while saying that they followed my career, they looked up to me as a, as a hero, and then I in, impacted them by showing them that you never give up, yep. you keep pushing yourself. And so that's one of the things, that, that's another part of it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about my family. Uh, uh, 
people I've met through my career. Yep. Guys I played with. So See, I thought you would say you're most happy about being the guy that sacked Brett Favre more than anybody. <laughs> Is that true? That's true, correct? That's true. Nobody sacked Brett Favre more than you. Yeah. How much did he talk at the bottom of a, of a pile? Was he, he was he a talker? He was a little bit of talker, but it was his offensive line. It's one Frank Winter is Oh yeah, man. oh yeah. Frankie used to talk and <laughs> Frank would tell you stuff like, You're not gonna get him. You're not gonna get him. So for <laughs> me, I'm like, I gotta get him. I gotta uh. get him. Well, you, uh, John Randall, again, is with us, Hall of Famer. And if I remember correctly, you were thinking about retiring, I think, after the 2002 season. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Holmgren talked you out of it. Yeah, because I was, I was thinking, you know, if, uh, been so, my wife's been so far from her family. And I'm like, you know what, dude, I think I want to just, like, like a Clint Eastwood movie, I want to just ride off in the sunset. Right. And, uh, but with Mike and the, and the guys on the team, they was like, you know what, we – we really think next year's team is going to be the team that is going to get to the Super Bowl. So yeah. I said, okay, I'll, I'll mount up, get back on his horse, and keep riding with it. But mm. I, I, you know what? I, it was so much fun out there in Seattle because uh, from Eric Kennedy, the, the head equipment guy. He's still there, by the way. Yeah. yeah he's I, still I, there. I, I still talk to EK. And, uh, man, it just made it so much fun coming to work and, and just hanging out and just getting to know guys and uh, learning more about Seattle. Going down to the fish market, watching people throw fish, and yeah. just it, it was. I, I just wish if, if uh, could have played longer, man. Had so much fun out in Seattle. Well, you had a long career, no doubt about it. John Randall, Hall of Famer, with us on the air, courtesy of K Jewelers. Now, you played with both Chris Carter and Randy Moss in sure Minnesota. Yes. Is that correct? Now, were you with Chris when he was kind of going through his thing, kind of coming out of substance abuse, the whole yeah. thing? What do you remember about those early years with Chris Carter? You know what? It was just how talented of a player he was. Yeah. Uh, I got there like a little bit before Chris, and because uh, I, I was there in training camp, Chris came after training camp in 1980. But the biggest thing I can tell you was, remember how much of an impact he made on the team when he first got there, because he all of a sudden man, was making those catches mm-hmm. when they were, nobody else was even thinking about it in practice. Yeah, and uh, just how much of an impact player he was, and how as a as a t- as a as a teammate, he pushed me, pushed me to be better, pushed me to. Always uh, uh, go out there and give my all and always be a respectable guy and, and, and be a caring guy. So, man, he was, he was one of my teammates that just, just loved playing with, just being the guy who was just watching him play, coming down to the defense side of the ball, yep. telling us, let's, let's go. <laughs> so, man, he was, he was one of my greatest teammates. How cocky was Randy Moss, honestly? And did, I, you, did you ever find yourself having to slap some sense back into that no, guy? No, Randy wasn't, he wasn't cocky. It was just Randy was just a different player, man, and – have a guy in your team like Randy Moss, man. You you just you're lucky to, to have a guy like that. Yeah. And, uh, but he just it wasn't. He was people say he was kind of like no, he wasn't cocky. He was just he knew he was confident player, and that's part of football. Every the guys are, are confident, and you you have to have confidence when you're going out to play a game where all of a sudden, like for a defense lineman, you got five guys going against four guys, and they're double teaming you. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be the double team, right? But when you do. Man. Well, you play with Warren Moon in Minnesota, yes, played for Dennis Green, may rest in peace, yes, obviously sir. in Minnesota, yes, Chris Carter, Randy Moss. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this Atlanta offense, which is maybe unlike any other offense in the history of the NFL. They can uh, throw it, they can run, run it, it yeah. and the running backs can catch the ball as well. How do you defend these guys? I don't know, but I tell you what, though. <laughs> that, that, I tell you what, I think they've got the right guy they're facing, Belichick. Yeah. Because you know he's going to come up with something. And 
I don't know about the rest of you. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to come up with because we know this man, it's like this is a guy that you can't count out. He's a MacGyver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to do something. <laughs> What's he going to do? I asked Max Starks earlier. I was talking to him off the air, and I asked him, I said, who are the players rooting for in this game? And he says Atlanta. Nobody wants to see the Patriots win it again. They're all sick of them. We're all rooting for Atlanta. Is yeah. that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm all about uh, watching a great Super Bowl. Hoping that uh, whoever come, who wins the game come out victorious. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm biased. I'm just gonna watch it, man. I'm just but you got to be rooting for somebody. You can't just watch the game and not root for anybody. It's not it's not in your DNA. Once the game kicks off, you will find yourself rooting for somebody. Trust me. I'll be rooting for the best commercial. Out there. <laughs> Are you gonna be at home watching the game? I'll be here. You'll be here in the stadium watching the somewhere, game. He's in the stadium somewhere. Oh. I probably have a. I have a cold one in my hand. Yeah. Sitting there going, man. I love it. Well, some, I have some coffee, like a, like a mocha or there something. There you go. Espresso, latte, latte. What, maybe an Americano no. or something like that. What <laughs> John Randall with us, Hall of Famer. You mentioned Husky Stadium when you played there. What what was that whole experience like for you guys to play in that college football stadium? It was it my was, favorite college stadium. It, it was different, but it, it was unique. Uh, the, I mean, because you had people that could, I think they could park the boats out there. Correct. And I'm coming from Minnesota going, wait a minute. You can park boats. <laughs> they gonna valet a boat. At Correct. The state? I'm yes, like, dude, this is unbelievable. Awesome, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. John Randall, man, it is great to see you. Look good. What are you doing for K Jewelers, by the way? And, hey. and by the way, why why do they keep bringing Marcus Allen's ring to everybody? Does he not want his ring? I don't think Mark, yeah, he may not know that is his ring. He, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> is he is he that big a deal that he doesn't need the ring? You got your I ring. I got on. my ring. Tell me about what you guys are doing with with well, K Jewelers, man. Join me and visit K Jewelers on Facebook or Twitter and post a video where you are singing a jingle. Uh, Every kiss begins with K. Very good. Yeah. And uh, hashtag scene for St. Jude donation. And for every video posted from a hundred dollar donation up to fifty thousand dollars will all go to St. Jude. And it's getting close. To Valentine's Day, so oh. everybody go to uh, K's Jewel, the number one jeweler in America, and buy your loved ones a nice gift. Done. Boom. Listen, if John Randall says to go do something, you better do it. You I'm better telling do you that it. right now. John, you're the man. Great to see you, buddy. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for doing guy. this, pal. You got it. John Randall, former Viking, former Seahawk, Hall of Famer, joining us on the radio show live from Houston. A lot more to get to from Radio Road. Do not go anywhere right here on 950 KJR. Now back to Dave Softy Muller live from Houston for our coverage of Super Bowl 51. Brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino and by Keel Mortgage on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. All right, guys, we're back here live on Radio Row from Houston, Super Bowl 51. Big thanks to our friends at Master Park, Keel Mortgage, and the Emerald Queen Casino. I tell you what, you fly almost 2,000 miles away from home, and you never know who you're going to run into, and you see a friendly face. We've been talking to Hall of Famers all week long, but now we have our own Hall of Famer, former Seahawk, former dog from the Seahawks radio crew. It's our pal Warren Moon joining us in Houston. How are you, man? I'm great, Softy. How you doing, I'm man? I'm good. So I'm wondering, we have all these Hall of Famers walking around. Yeah. So Marcus Allen was on our show, Aeneas Williams was on our show, John Randall was on our show. You're a Hall Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hall of Famer, but do you get kind of, does the fan in you kind of maybe crop up when you see all these big names walking around? Not those guys you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I get excited when I see Joe Namath. You there know, you when, when I see Roger right. Starback, when I see guys like that, those are the guys that I grew up watching and, and emulated and wanted to be like. But, uh, yeah. you know, Johnny and these guys, uh, uh, Andre Reed just walked by. We're all friends. We've all hung Whatever. out throughout the years. They're just guys. They're just my guys. I got you. <laughs> well, listen, man, obviously it's tough not having the Seahawks here. It's even tougher for me to have to look up at that 49 banner in yeah. front of my face the whole week. But to get back to this point, honestly, which is the goal now, the expectations right. for us have changed in Seattle. What is next? What needs to happen? What should be in John Schneider's shopping cart this offseason? Well, I think, first of all, health. Just making sure you get your team healthy again. They have a lot of guys that – were banged up throughout the season, had uh, some major injuries. We got to get those guys back. Whether it's Earl Thomas, whether it's uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, we got to get CJ Prosites completely healthy. Thomas Rawls, yeah. those are four guys right there that I mentioned. And there's a lot of others that just need to get healthy because that's a a big part of your football team. A lot of talent there and a lot of experience. Uh, then I think the offensive line, and, and one of the reasons why I think New England is here this year compared to last year, their offensive line didn't play as well. Don, Tom Brady got knocked around a lot last year, especially in the playoff game against Denver. This offensive line is much more improved this year. I'm not exactly sure the reason why. Maybe there might be some additions. I know they brought back uh, their their offensive line coach who had been right. gone Dante, for a few yeah, years, yeah. and he's uh, really solidified that. So if we can solidify our offensive line, make them better up front and more consistent, I think that's going to be the key for us getting back here next year. Yeah, and I assume that Pete Carroll still wants to be a run-first offense. It's kind of in his DNA. Right. We, we, uh, we went back a couple months ago and played his opening press conference when he was hired in 2010, and he talked about how important the run game is. So they've gone from first in the NFL in 2014 to 25th in the NFL in rushing right. in just two years. Can they afford, honestly, to bring back the same five guys they had this year and Thomas Rawls and C.J. Procise and expect that running game to improve? I, if, you, if all those guys are together at the start of the season and those two running backs are healthy, we'll be a much better running football team. I still think maybe one position up front we need to change, but I'm not going to say what that is. Okay. But I think <laughs> with the other four guys, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, look, I mean, my, my whole point about the offensive line, and I heard Pete talking about this, I think, more on the Monday after the Atlanta loss, is, hey, chemistry and continuity are obviously important right. on the offensive line. They're important from a quarterback and a mm-hmm. wide receiver's perspective. But how good are these guys? I mean, you know, you can bring Kevin and I back, and we're going to stink next year and stink in 10 years from now. So right. that's my biggest, I guess, curiosity. What's George Fant in his potential? What is Gary Gilliam's ceiling? I'm not sure if we know that yet. We don't because we haven't had a sample size enough, but I think these guys are potentially good enough because you didn't see this offensive line just getting railroaded every every weekend. Uh, you saw certain times where they made a lot of mental errors, where guys were coming through free, and that was because you didn't block the right guy. It's not because you weren't good enough to play the game. You've got to get smarter. All these guys have to get a little bit smarter, and that comes with experience. Yeah. George Fan is definitely physically ready to play offensive tackle, but he doesn't have the snaps. So it's going to be more experience, more more times of seeing it. He's got great feet. He's got a great temperament as far as being a mean mean-spirited uh, a guy as far as blowing guys <laughs> yeah. off the football. Like he's that, got yeah. all of that, but he, he's playing arguably the second 
most difficult position to play on the offensive line, left tackle, and he's never played before. I thought he did a pretty good job. Those guys that have played left tackle their whole lives and didn't play as well as he did this year. So there is a lot of potential there for him to get better. What did you make of the year Richard Sherman had on and off the field, on the field, on the sidelines, with the media, with the coaches, and did you – talk with him at all about all that stuff we talked a little bit about it and I understood some of his frustrations but I think he understands that he can't be as vocal with some of the stuff that he does because of his his presence because of his leadership um, Richard is a very emotional guy he's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve mm-hmm. but I think he'll be a little bit smarter about when he does some of the things that he does and keep that more in-house but I, I still understand some of the reasons and some of the frustrations. You've got to remember he was playing with an injury all season long. These are guys that have been on that team for the last five years that have been to two Super Bowls already, and they see that window not so much closed, yeah. but they know it's not going to last much longer. And they want to try and seize every opportunity they can because they don't want to look down the road five years and say, man, we missed some great opportunities to win a couple of more. And I think that's where, uh, where some of that frustration yeah. comes from. But you can't show up your teammates and you can't show up your coaching staff uh, even though they understand where he's coming from. It just doesn't look good from a visual. Warren Moon with us live from Houston. What, what bothered me about the criticism of Daryl Bevel during the Rams game is that I felt like they were letting that game yeah. beat them again right. two years ago. Do you kind of feel like that is still, for some guys in that locker room, maybe a factor? It's a sore point in certain situations, and we saw that. They didn't want you throwing the ball from the from the one-yard line, but we have thrown the football a lot from the one-yard line since that Super Bowl. People just don't understand that we've thrown touchdowns down there or we've thrown incomplete passes where Richard almost sees an interception in a very tight game. That made him kind of go off a little bit. But you're going to see more throwing from the one-yard line because teams do that because it's tough to run from the one-yard line sometimes, especially against certain types of defenses. Those defenses are set up for you to throw the football. Obviously, Russell was banged up, and not being able to run the ball is a huge deal. For example, he did not break the 20-yard rushing barrier until week 10 of this last season. Two years ago, he did that 10 times in the first 10 weeks of the regular season. So clearly that's a big reason why the running game was down. And it's easy for me to go back and nitpick the Falcon game. The, the throw to Doug in the corner, which he kind of missed on for the touchdown, has Jimmy Graham beating his man wide open down the seam. Doesn't even look his way. I, I feel like, and others feel like, and I think Pete agrees with this too, that the next step for him is learning how to throw with even more anticipation right. going into year six. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment, and I think he would be the first guy to say that. You know, Russell has, was a coach to be so careful when he first came here, to take care of the football, protect the football, don't turn the football over. That was drilled in his head so much to the point where sometimes he takes too long to make sure everything's okay before he lets it go. And that little bit of time is what you need sometimes to make that big play down the football field. So as he feels more comfortable about, okay, I'm not going to turn the football over. I am going to make the right decision here. I think that anticipation will start to come and he'll just kind of let it go a little bit more. And I've seen him do that in a lot of other instances, but I've seen him miss some and and not throw it when he needs to. And, And especially when it's down the middle of the football field, he wants to make sure he's making the right throw. So if he gets better at doing that and anticipating and getting that ball up quickly a lot of that comes with trust a lot of that comes with just his own confidence I think you'll see his game even go to another level throwing the football Warren Moon with us is if I had to uh, tell people who this is we all recognize the voice in Seattle (laughs) but the great Warren Moon with us on the air live from Houston uh, as a Hall of Fame quarterback and as a member I believe the of the Edmonton Eskimos Wall of Fame if I have that right as a member of the Husky Hall of Fame when you watch Tom Brady play what impresses you the most about him and his game 
his command. I mean, just the command he has of his offense. And that's something I wished I could have been in one one system my whole career. <laughs> right. Where his system, when he came into New England, they've kind of built that system around him. They gave him a little bit in the first few years. It wasn't much of a thrower. There was more of a defensive run football team, kind of like with Russell. And then they've kind of just built off of that. And now he's become the focal part of the offense. But he's been in that same system and, and he's doing everything that he does well in that system because mm-hmm. they built it for him. I wish I could have been in something like that. To 16 be able to, years. Yeah, to be Can able to just command an oh. offense. My problem was I, I moved around, so I had to learn those offenses quickly, but I was impressed that I was still able to be uh, productive in offenses, even though I didn't have that much time to, like, really command it the way you want. All the little nuances that you, you really need to learn in an right. offense to be to take it to that next level. How, how, how old were you when you retired? 43? I retired 44. 44. Okay, yeah. so Brady's, what, 38, 39? 39, Can yeah. you see him going the Warren Moon route and playing until he's 44? I, I wonder what would keep him motivated if he wins another Super Bowl. You know, this will be five. That will right. put him number one as far as Super Bowl wins. I'm sure Tom will find some way to uh, to motivate himself. But, you know, after you've done everything that he's done, what's going to keep motivating you? But the way he takes care of himself, the command he has of this off- offense, the way quarterbacks are protected – He'll keep playing well for a long time as long as he stays away from any major injury. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Warren Moon with us. And, Warren, before you go, uh, Dan Quinn, obviously our old pal uh, with the Falcons now. Kevin and I were talking on the air a couple days ago. Number one, does he take a peek at that tape from two years ago? Got to. Because with three quarters, they they really had done a great job controlling them. And then does he make a phone call to Pete Carroll, who's the (laughs) only guy to beat Tom Brady this year? Well, I'm sure that he's done that. I'm sure he's done that just about his whole Super Bowl setup and just trying to get some advice on on, you know how to practice his team throughout this whole two weeks and all of that but you got to look at that tape because like you said we played them very very well until the fourth quarter but you got to remember in the fourth quarter Averill. no Averill, yep. no Jeremy Lane who was covering Edelman we didn't have an answer for Edelman um, and then Michael Bennett was playing his butt off he was tired by the end of that football game because he had to play so many snaps so you didn't see our defense give up 14 points the whole season in the fourth quarter. We gave it up in that one football game. But until then, they had a great plan on how to stop or slow down uh, Tom Brady. So yeah. I think he'll go back to that same plan. And you're staying for the game on Sunday. Can we tell people what you're doing Sunday for the game, or is that like top secret no, stuff? No, I mean, I'm, I got invited by the commissioner to sit okay. with him. So I'm going to sit with the commissioner and watch the game in a nice, cushy booth. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of nice food and things like that to eat. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's an honor because yeah. I've known Roger well before he was was a commissioner we've been friends for wow. a long time what do you make of the criticism he takes from people you know it, it's tough the situation he's in because he's never going to be right I, I think one thing he needs to look at is maybe not being the guy that makes all the the big decisions on on punishment maybe they should have a, a board of three different people to, to yeah. make that decision so it's not yeah, so it's right. not always him because there's going to be people that agree with what he does and there's going to be a lot of people that don't agree with what he does and that that's just the position he's put himself in well do us a favor Warren if you're going to hang out with Roger on Sunday for three or four hours <laughs> try to convince him to lay off that second round draft pick okay, okay? okay. Can, you, can you pull that off I will uh, mention that in his ear as I pass him a hot yeah, dog you're the man Warren thanks for doing this I appreciate it pal. all right guys thanks for See having you, buddy me. Warren Moon <laughs> Joining us live in Houston right here on Radio Row from the Super Bowl. we got a lot more to get to next on 950 KJR. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.